We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. This show is brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and our Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially our producer-level Big Chill patrons, Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mykoski, and Andrew Teagle. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show. The patrons are the reason that we are here today. They are responsible for today's episode. Patrons in the Big Screen Sports Patreon group get to nominate and vote on movies. And the patrons this month nominated and voted for Like Mike. Lil Bow Wow's Like Mike. A movie that, frankly, I wasn't sure I would ever re-experience, talk about, ever revisit. But today, here we are. It was fun. Brought the guys from the Air Buds pod back to talk this one it's a loaded cast for a disney sports movie the 2000s were just wild times let's get to the guys from Airbuds, like mike let's get into it all right returning to big screen sports uh the the lefty specialists of this pod the guys who come in for a very specific tasks it is peter moses jamel johnson mike benner of the Airbuds podcast fellas how you doing great how are you Thanks doing for having kyle? us kyle yeah, man. Good to see you, sir. Great to see you guys. Great to be back chopping it up on, on another Oscar winner as we do. Uh, before we get into it, uh, Peter, I'll kick to you. Tell the folks, Airbuds, where is it? What is it? Where can they find it? Uh, we are, uh, as our our uh, fearless leader, Benner, says, uh, the masters of having stupid, smart conversations about the NBA. And uh, you can find us at Airbuds Pod on Twitter screaming about uh, socialist basketball rants and mm-hmm. um, Liz Cambage's OnlyFans account. Um, ass, and just her ass cheeks. Her tush. And uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So, um, and we got a Patreon too, where we do really weird, funky shit. And you get to uh, hang out with a bunch of freaks in our Discord. And uh, yeah, we've been in this oh, game yeah. for a million years. I forgot about the Discord. Don't forget about Horny Jail, where Mike Benner is. And come on our Discord and go straight to horny. God, I see. I've, I saw you being mad horny on Twitter the other day, man. I have never, crazy. I have never been in horny jail in our Discord. Horny jail is for when a, a member uh, uh, is overly horny on in the in one of the main channels. They get sentenced there uh, for a day or two, where that's the only room they can be in. Uh, also, I want to correct Peter. I'm not the leader of the podcast. I'm just the one that is not high all the time. And that it makes was you your leader. idea. Yeah. yeah. You're not high all the time. And it was your idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> if someone in a group is not high, that makes them the de facto leader of the group. It's that's been the same way for multiple years. <laughs> yeah. that's I mean, that's kind yeah. of how like society has worked for a very long time. Um, I mean, speaking of horny jail, there might be someone, a couple of people in this movie that we could bow wow specifically. 
Uh, but you mentioned y'all, y'all have a Patreon. We have a Patreon on this show as well. And it is because of the patrons that we are here today as they have voted on an an incredible movie for us to cover today. Uh, like Mike, the 2002 children's basketball movie, a 13 year old orphan becomes an NBA superstar after trying on a pair of sneakers with the faded initials MJ inside. It starred Lil Bow Wow now known. I believe he is now just going by Shad Moss, but he first, he was Lil Bow Wow. Then he was Bow Wow. And now he is Shad Moss. Uh, Jonathan Lipnicki, who is now just going by super jacked, just cut up guy. And, uh, Morris Chestnut, (laughs) who is just, he still Morris Chestnut, still very good looking. A goat. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Rose. Let's also not forget about Macaulay Culkin's wife. Yes. Brenda Song. Brenda Brenda Song. Brenda Song, who I believe her two, she has two children. If I remember correctly, I did not do the background research on this. Uh, One, her latest child, or at least she is married to Macaulay Culkin. Her first child she had with Trey Cyrus, brother O'Malley. So she's. Oh. Yeah. So a quick correction on my part. Trey Cyrus and Brenda Song only dated. They had no children. Brenda's first child was with Macaulay Culkin of Home Alone fame. Big screen sports regrets the air. That makes sense because she's like uh, a Disney kid, right? She's like now a a very serious good actor, but she was like a Disney kid. This cast is freaking stacked. All right, we got all star cast. Yeah, Uh, Jonathan Lipnicki, you know. Fun, fun time seeing him again as a little boy. But yeah, Morris Chestnut, Brenda Song, Jesse Plemons, uh, Crispin Glover, and Mira is the fucking nun in this. Uh, Robert it's Forster, loaded. Eugene Levy, like the cast is insane. They don't make them like this anymore. No. Um, I Sadly enough, I think this is our farewell to Jonathan Lipnicki. I'm not sure. I, I think this is our last hurrah with him before he like resurfaces. Are we, gonna, guy are we going to like, kill Jonathan Lipnicki? <laughs> No, I, I think I, Jonathan <laughs> Lipnicki. Jonathan Lipnicki ended the career of Jonathan Lipnicki. Yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb. He does have 56 credits to his name, which uh, you're is surprising. But that, yeah, that's more uh, that's more than we can say for us, I guess. Yeah. yeah, is it all from the years of 1998 to 2004? No, well, he there's a giant chunk like in the middle from like 2003 to like 2012, and he doesn't do a lot. But then he's been steady acting. He's been on a lot of TV shows. NCIS Hawaii. I don't know if he's been on an NCIS. He is primed for like an NCIS kind of role. So Lipnicki kind of, he, I, I come across this a lot in this show in that we talk about someone who is generally famous or well-known, but like they might not have been working a lot lately or we don't really know what they've been up to. And he's in the category of, man, I hope he just lives in a nice house. Like I hope he's doing okay. He, you know, he, he had this level of fame. It's not good to be, famous and then like even just be normal like i I hope he lives in a really nice house like like granite countertops farmhouse sink like good stuff for lip nicky an island he's he's got a first of all he's 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 ripped now yeah he's a bodybuilder but he also has a gorgeous jewish star tattoo on his like lower you can see it a little bit in in the picture benner just said it's kind of like on his where his love handle would be if it wasn't you know so strong yeah, um, like just beneath it is uh, his left rib cage. There's a giant star of David, uh, which ironically prevents him from being buried in a Jewish cemetery. Right? No, they 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 nixed that role after yeah. everyone got tatted Peter, up. You and, and uh, you and Lipnicki need to like link at Temple or something. We could we could just, just link up? Link would be build. the second most famous person I met at Temple. Number one being Paul McCartney. <laughs> what? I Man, always forget I, about that story. I'm Have you sure. brought that up on this show before? I, I maybe I feel like I brought it up. I try to bring it up on any podcast I'm on. I used to go to like the fancy Beverly Hills Temple because they have like a, you know how you have like, uh, you know how like a, a a G League team is affiliated with you know an NBA team. That's kind of what my temple in Cleveland was with a uh, one in Beverly Hills. So I used to get tickets to the High Holidays, and sure enough, one year I went, and there's Paul fucking McCartney, and. Uh, I was like, well, this is my only chance to ever talk to a Beatle. So I said, hey, Mr. McCartney, Happy New Year. And I shook his hand. He gave me like the limpest handshake. Sure. And I was like, well, I'll fucking he take was, this. He, had the, he was holding that AR-15. Uh, so he had to <laughs> you didn't, it from his hand. Okay. You didn't ask him if he had a wonderful Christmas time? I just, listen, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was sir. It was Happy New Year, Mr. McCartney. And then I got to watch like 
30 i sat right behind him in uh in the synagogue and uh, i watched like 30 jews who were all between the ages of like 45 to 70 like not be able to focus on anything but just staring at paul mccartney for two hours of services it was fun jamel who could paul mccartney have played in like mike uh he could have been eugene levy he could have been morris chestnut he could have been <laughs> he would have been a great crispin glover to be honest he could have been the lady of the medicine count the prescription the the, the drugstore lady <laughs> allegra <laughs> yeah he could have crushed that man are already off to a great start. So this movie, <laughs> like Mike, it's essentially it's it's rookie of the year, but with a basketball playing orphan. It's the the classic thing. Let's just rerun that formula, see if it works. It it did work. Like, but I was eleven when this came out, so you know I saw this. I I was into it. Um, clearly, our Patreon group saw it. Mike, I know you were a first time viewer. What was that experience like? Perfect. Yeah. And it'll have, and I, I record my audio locally, so it'll, it'll have that in. So Benner, you were a first time viewer of this movie as an adult. So as an adult, what, what was this experience like for you? Uh, I loved this movie. You're right. It is, you know, uh, just a, a retread of the child becomes involved in pro sports kind of a uh, little big league rookie of the year kind of movie. Uh, I think this is like the best movie of that genre i've ever seen i thought it was great it was weirdly dark uh you know and, and i knew i knew it was like gonna be better than i figured it would be that when they did the scene where the kids are selling candy outside of the staple center and like everyone is just being like yeah this is a fucking scam and it ended up being a scam and i was like <laughs> it's like that's that's pretty funny to me i don't know yeah i i, I really enjoyed this movie i was not expecting to at all would you throw it up as Hall of Famer, All-Star starter, or bench warmer? All-Star, I think. It's not a great movie. Like, it, it definitely, it, I had low expectations. So it, it jumped right over that very low bar I set for it. And so I had a great time. Uh, but it's not like, it is not like Bull Durham. It's not Hall of Famer. It is a movie, though, that like, just does it, like it hits all of its beats. And when you do that, it works perfectly. Because, like... I love that they didn't it's like they didn't get into anything about the magic of the shoes. It was just like, hey, electric, you know, uh, gets Ben Franklin with the MJ shoes. Now he can jump like a crazy person and we're never going to question it again. And it's never addressed again. And that was actually, I thought, one of the strongest choices of the entire movie. Like then it's about like being adopted and like fatherhood. <laughs> Jamel, is this a Hall of Famer, all-star starter bench warmer for you? Because Allen Iverson is in it, it is a Hall of Famer. Oh, oh man. I, I think from a, from a cameo standpoint, it's yeah, just got to be a Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame cameos. Movie. I mean, the head coach. Who's the head coach? My man from Jackie Brown? Robert Forster, man. One of the, the all-time great actors. We lost him, I think, last year. Yeah, he's incredible. Saving Silverman, he, the dude. Way he's Come on. thing is what sells the whole, we're not thinking about the shoes no more. He's just like, hey, that kid can play. <laughs> Such a good point. He's I I wrote it down as he is uh, Robert Forster in this one. This is both a paycheck movie for Robert Forster and that that gig coaching that team is a paycheck job for Coach Wagner, because when we first meet him, he's his heart is not into it. He's just collecting those checks. He's he's David Blatt when he he was coaching the Cavs or everyone knew he was going to get fired, like show up to the arena, cash that. Also, are they the Clippers? Or is there a Lakers team? They are the Clippers. I want to live in an alternate universe where they are, where the they Clippers are, are the are. LA Knicks. I was going to say, this movie actually, like, this solved the biggest problem in basketball in 2002 and that it completely removed the Clippers from yeah. the league. Yeah. <laughs> or just rename them. The, Cl- the Clippers as a name and, like, is just one of the worst names in all of sports. And LA Knights is awesome. They should... Just change their team to the LA Knights now. I love a LA Knight, baby. Tinsel exactly. Towns. They should do an alternative, uh, alternative like Jersey Night, and they'd just be the, oh. the LA Knights. Like this movie was f- on the fringe of success for that, but I feel like that Yo, would be, be a hit. out of here. Bob Seeger playing for every out intro, here. or like some like experimental well. synth Japanese shit. You know what I'm saying? That's LA Knights too, though. <laughs> Well, they are like they're scraping the bottom. But now that every team has like 15 alternative jerseys every season, brand new, like there will eventually there will be a like Mike L.A. Knights jersey for the Clippers, right? 
They do the they do the uh, the knuckleheads thing. They do yeah the knuckleheads. I I love that. It was great. So this movie one of the one of the big things. Obviously, it's called Like Mike. You mentioned like all the cameos. At least I'm looking at it like at least ten Hall of Famers. Uh, AI, Jason Kidd, Lonzo, uh, Steve Nash, Dirk, like Steve Francis, you know, Hall of Famer, Miss, future Hall of Famer, Steve Francis, Steve Francis, Gary Payton, Juco Hall of Famer, uh, Chris Webber, Hall of Fame, uh, yes, Vince, Michael Finley, Vince Carter, Vince Gerald, Carter, kind of Gerald plays Wallace. Like, <laughs> the part of the okay, now we're we're gonna get to that part of the movie later. I'm not gonna. So yeah, let's let's talk about the Hall of Famer that that was absent. Uh, Mike MJ. Chose not to participate. Yeah, there's no way you could get Mike to do this movie. He was never going to fly to L.A. for no. this. Uh, was he still playing for the Wizards at the time? He was still playing for the Wizards mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, hell no. He ain't doing it. I was just going to say this movie felt like the, uh, you know, like after Avengers Endgame when Marvel kind of had to like reset and be like, all right, this is what we're doing now. This is who we are. This is our next chapter. This felt like David Stern being like telling the NBA entertainment wing to like, you know, capitalize on Jordan, but kind of like highlight and move past him with all of the new NBA stars. Um, Cause there was no Kobe too. There's no Kobe or Shaq, um, no MJ. It felt like, uh, I don't know. Um, it felt like uh, a, it was a weird, he, he didn't feel missed though in this movie. Did he? Like, I wasn't like, no. Oh, I wish MJ no. was in this movie. No, no, I actually, I think it's probably better. He would, he would have overwhelmed it. It would have been, would have been an MJ movie, but I, I can tell you where negotiations definitely broke down was cause you could do this movie of like Calvin ends up playing for the wizards and like MJ is playing for the wizards, but he's getting older. You know, he's struggling. Kwame Brown's not, not panning out or whatever. And it's suddenly like they're pitching it to MJ. It's going to be an MJ vehicle, that whole thing. And then, uh, and then they explain to him, well, Calvin gets on the team because you guys play one-on-one and he scores three buckets against you. And that's where MJ was like, no, this isn't going to work for me. Exactly. <laughs> that is a hundred percent what happened. Um, it was, uh, it, it was interesting that NBA entertainment actually produced this film. Uh, they don't do a lot of feature films, uh, but yeah, I, that was like fascinating to me. Cause then it was like also kind of a bleak, dark kind of story there was a lot of kind of dark humor in it and then they also like is like mike what led to the nba repealing the uh high school to the league draft rule (laughs) i've i've actually i've got something i want to talk about with that here in a little bit about uh about calvin's eligibility and just how the rest of his life looks but um the the trivia in this one there's there's really not a lot i'm kind of just going to skip over it the one thing was it says tracy reynolds's mansion was formerly owned by orlando magic guard tracy mcgrady i'm assuming if if that is true i'm assuming he bought it after this movie was filmed like later like because like what was 2002 tracy mcgrady doing with the mansion in, in la but i mean hey he had to, he was had he, he had secured the bag the big deal from orlando okay. i think he secured the bag from orlando i think yeah. so yeah that makes sense he, Tracy McGrady was in this movie, right? Yeah, he was. was in a magic jersey. So yeah. you know, bag bags were had. He was. He was. Well, let's let's roll into best scene. I'll go through these chronologically. If I if I miss something, by all means, stop me. Uh, the first one is when Calvin gets to play Tracy at halftime when he makes his his new sneaker skills known. I want to throw this to you guys. The Tracy could have easily played it off as letting this kid score three points, whole stadiums happy, whatever. The taking the jacket off and getting serious is the most is the most embarrassing thing, in my opinion. I think that's where he really lets it get out of hand. That's a man who doesn't know how to how to play to the crowd. Jamel, you're nodding your head. Yeah, I fully agree. This is where the reaction videos start on Instagram and TikTok. This is where you know we're adding that audio. Ooh, baby, what is you doing? You know what I'm saying that. <laughs> this is where the edits begin. Tracy Reynolds, baby, got what? Nine seconds? Let's do it. I'm really sorry. Come on, little man. Come on, little man. Come on. Come on, yeah. Come on, Jim, baby. This would be an incredible me moment if this had happened in real life, mm-hmm. without a doubt. <laughs> ripping your jacket on to get scored on by a child also like yeah. tracy reynolds clearly you were witnessing some kind of deviled child 
<laughs> other magic, voodoo magic ability, <laughs> and you think that if you just kind of hit the floor with your hands, you'll be able to stop him? Like he's possessed by a ghost or something. Peter, what do you think would happen if even on like a bottom tier NBA franchise is struggling to sell out? If the team's walking in at halftime and some like front office person pulls aside their best player and is like, "Hey, man, you, you got to go out halftime. You got you got to play a kid." Three on three, one on one. Josh Giddy should have to do this at the halftime of every <laughs> Thunder game, anyway. That's how the Thunder are going to stay in. Uh, are going to stay in OKC, and I think that's also they should make Zion do it every game he's not playing. He has to play a kid at halftime. Pie eating contest. I was literally about to say that, but yeah, eating contest. If they do it at a Thunder game, the the grand prize should be you get to make one of the like one of the selections in the thunder's numerous cash of draft picks, like future draft picks, like a fan oh, gets to make that yeah. pick. Yeah. It's a good call. I think I, what, what honestly happens is they say, um, no talk to the players association and, uh, fuck you. But I do feel like of all the franchises that would do this, I feel like this movie is just a continual subtle dig of like making fun of the Clippers. Because like the Clippers would do something like this in 2002, absolutely. And Donald, yeah, Donald Sterling still owns the team at yeah. that time. They would do something like this now. Like, <laughs> how do you, Kyle, I don't know. Have you ever been to a Clippers game? I have not been to a Clippers game. It now. is it 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 is of every sporting event I've ever been to. Like the presentation and what happens in the arena, like just smacks of desperation more than like anything, like. I've ever been to, like, I don't know, Peter, we used to go to Clippers game all the time. And I remember the first time we went to a Lakers game together, like after having gone to like 50 Clippers games in a row, we were like, <laughs> this is so much better. Like, there's a, so, it's, I'm happier. They're not desperate nice. to get our attention. They're not desperate to like, they're not bribing us with t-shirt cannons every 45 seconds. Well, just sometimes it's beautiful because they'll do stuff that the Lakers will never do. Corrupt can't play halftime of a Laker That's game. That's a good point. Yeah, you can't get in with a gun in your backpack to a Laker game. <laughs> <laughs> so this was filmed in the forum. Is the is the forum still standing? Because like they should yeah, make the like, they should make the Clippers play in the forum. Uh that would be incredible. My my pitch has always been whenever the Lakers and Clippers play each other, that should be at the forum. That would be, that would be so sick. fucking cool. That would be like the NBA's version of like the outdoor hockey game or whatever. Ender and I actually went to a concert at the forum uh, was a it few wins? years back. And uh, no, it was Arcade Fire. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> Peter Peter had gotten tickets to Arcade Fire. And that's right. And not like some some rich person gave them to him. And he was like, do you want to go to this concert? And I was like, I don't really like them. And he was like, neither do I. But we wound up going to an Arcade Fire concert. Free tickets, you have to go. Jamel, yeah. what would Magic Johnson's tweet be if uh, the Lakers and the Clippers played at the Forum? I can't wait to sit down with a Starbucks Frappuccino and watch Lakers v. Clippers. <laughs> oh, God. It should be God a good game. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's... I, and one God, of them will I win. think whoever scores the most is definitely going to win. <laughs> okay, the next scene. Next scene I've got is is calvin's joyride quote-unquote joyride uh, our, our guy tracy reynolds takes takes some sleeping pills zonks out um again this all goes back to this whole movie is actually about tracy reynolds is just bad with people he's bad at explaining things because like it, it leads to calvin gets suspended for taking this joyride or whatever but uh, like all it would have taken is a a normal person would have just had a 30 second conversation. Tracy would have been like, yeah, you know, I accidentally, I was riding around with Calvin accidentally took some sleeping pills, completely my bad kid messed up, whatever. But it just like, it gets blown over. He takes the suspension and instead of like coming clean. Tracy's just like right on pal, Which, right, right on. Honestly on though, you. who has ever accidentally taken sleeping pills? What a, what a cute and adorable way to address a drug problem. <laughs> Benner, is this movie better if if Tracy takes like pops a couple Ambien, and as as one does, it, you know, hypothetically, if I were to ever recreationally take an Ambien and stayed up, um, as, as you know, if if Tracy started hallucinating in the driver's seat, is this movie better? Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I think basically they drive into a wall because Tracy sees like a a beautiful 
like bridge to heaven because that's what he's seeing in his mind and then they wind up in hell and then we watch <laughs> shad moss play <laughs> satan one-on-one for his their freedom yeah. back to earth um yeah uh, it's like it's like space jam but it's bow wow versus hitler exactly yeah Perfect. satan has, uh, <laughs> has put together an all-star team of evil basketball players including hitler pol pot uh timmy faye baker you know, probably <laughs> Emmy Faye Baker. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Bundy just in the corner, raining threes. That's PJ Tucker. <laughs> I do want to point out, though, uh, speaking of horny jail, uh, the reason why uh, Tracy falls asleep behind the wheel with a child in the car is because he's horny. He's He has this weird moment with the pharmacist that, like, is, like, are they or are they not going to fuck over this counter uh, but that is what leads to him accidentally opening the wrong pill bottle and taking like five sleeping pills instead of his allergy pills. I appreciate two things about this scene. One, it's very just like, oh, the Matrix happened while they were writing the script. So they were like, oh the my red gosh. cap is this one. And the blue cap is this one. And he just immediately opens up the wrong one. And I thought it was going to be something that dragged out to a later scene. But props for them for just like making the joke happen as soon as the setup happens and he's passed out. That's actually the scene that made me the most like nervous with him driving, but for sure. And they also like you, a star player on an NBA team is whipping around Sacramento in a Buick. I was wondering where he got that car because it was like, did they just give players rental cars when they land in a city? Yeah. Because they're they're not doing the Space Jam thing where like Space Jam has Michael Jordan in a in a very nice but like middle class house like completely like understates like how he was living when he was you know playing for for Birmingham but like they have Tracy Reynolds in an incredibly expensive mansion and then they have him in like a a Buick which just just not the case not the case. What a shout out to NBA Entertainment. <laughs> This is obviously before they signed their Kia deal. deal. Yeah, yeah, this is because you know they was with Buick. They gloss over some stuff in the in the life of Tracy Reynolds and what Tracy Reynolds would be doing on the road. Uh, He would he would have made some more happen with that cute pharmacist. Um, Next scene, the the sentimental pick uh, when when Calvin and Murph go over to to Tracy's house. This one is this one is for all the orphans out there. It's for all the parents there with their kids. I felt like I had to include it, but you know, it, it's, it's the scene you can tell the movie like felt like it needed this scene. Like it was like, all right, we got, we got to have one bonding scene. We, we have to bring Murph has to meet Tracy somehow. Otherwise the end doesn't work. So we needed them to, uh, you know, to douse themselves in paint and jump in a pool, which gave me like, as a, just a homeowner, I don't have a pool, but just like, I was like, oh man, that's got a lot of, lot of home damage in that scene. That's where you can really tell that Tracy's Tracy's rich. Cause he just doesn't give a shit. I thought that maybe he, there's something wrong with his brain. <laughs> like he's got some kind of melting yeah. disorder or he thought the way like, to oh, teach the house. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to teach geometry by painting shit all over my house and then they're just like throwing lead paint at one another like in each other's face and mouth like I mean, that it, was, was it, it was a different kind of nba cte was much more prevalent back then the way they played yeah, defense sure. yeah and you, i mean this scene rules if for no other reason than confirming that they are the clippers because they mentioned the lakers in one of the triangles oh my gosh you're totally right i mean we don't see the lakers at all but he is uh he did draw shack into one of his geometry examples. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it's the most clipper shit ever that they're not going to talk about their offense or their their game plan to to teach something. No, we got to we got to talk about the team that everyone knows. We got we got to talk about, about the better team. Yeah, as as Clippers as can be. I do want to say though, it was it was really cute to uh, one of maybe one of my favorite shots of the movie was watching this adorable, goofy little Jonathan Lipnicki like walking out of a cab, like up, up Tracy Reynolds, like, like driveway. It was, it was cute. It was really sweet. It's sweet to see, you know, two little kids, broke kids, two broke kids running around, running around <laughs> a mansion. Also who has that much neon orange and neon purple paint just sitting around. It was the nineties, man. <laughs> Different time. Different time, different yeah. time. I, I was going to do this later, but we just talk about Lip Nikki right now. Is Murph the cutest orphan name possible? 
Because Mur- Murph is either a cute orphan or a grizzly old man. In this case, it's a cute orphan. Peter, is this the cutest orphan name of all time? 1A and 1B with Scout, I think. Ooh. Scout would be a good orphan. Scout is for sure from the wrong side yeah, of the track. I think Ox, Jesse Plemons, who plays uh, this sociopathic murderous orphan <laughs> ox uh ox is a really funny name for an orphan too i mean we can easily tie this to this is a is like mike a breaking bad prequel because does jesse because we don't see ox get adopted and he could maybe some long lost relatives show up and it's that what, what were they what were they in uh they a biker gang or like neo-nazis his his people in breaking bad yep yeah, so maybe it's them. Maybe they just yeah. show up at the uh, the orphanage one day, grab Ox, and say, "We've your, your kinfolk yeah. is here." You would think when like all the parents come to visit, he's like, "I'm Brian," you know, <laughs> just like go by your you know whatever your Christian name is. Ox feels like a name you pick up on the playground. Yeah, but he, I will say he he looks and and acts the part of Ox. I mean, you could see it in Jesse Plemons, man. He's he had the chops from an early age. Yeah. Uh, the next scene I've got is the scene that is, it's really essential for every children's movie. It is when uh, bookies are hunting down orphans on scooters. Something that, yeah. that is a must, is, is an absolute must. What's the, Benner, what's the best part of the scooter scene? Uh, I think, is it is it Murph that kind of like saves the, the day by getting the shoes? Like, you know, we thought like the, <laughs> the one evil bookie was going to, he pulled his car over to grab the shoes and then Murph comes out of nowhere. I think just the idea that like, again, like this movie, Crispin Glover, who is the head of the orphanage, uh, Stan Middleman, uh, he is trying to exploit his, what's, what's Calvin Cambridge's like contract in the NBA by stealing the things that give him power and making a like a $100,000 bet with bookies and then the bookies are trying to kill the children. Like, this is like, this is a really funny thing to put in a kid's movie. And I love it. Just that classic American tale. Yeah. Which all they had to do was call the front office. Yeah. I'm pretty sure shoes that make you jump high are illegal in the NBA. Yeah. I'll do you one better. This movie happens now. They're, they go on DraftKings. Officially <laughs> partnered with the NBA. And place that bet. It's a it's a completely different movie for Crispin Glover. Being it chased now. by the DraftKings, <laughs> my marketing people at DraftKings. Paul McCartney plays the DraftKings. Yeah, uh, the last scene, the last game. Um, you know that's that's kind of a given in every sports movie. Uh, you know the exact same thing as Rookie of the Year loses his powers. Um, Calvin also, I like when he tells the team he's lost he's lost his powers. So like he knows he's dog shit, and he's like. You know, win or lose, this is going to be my last game. I'm ready to be a regular kid again. Like, Jamel, correct me if I'm wrong, but he wouldn't be saying that if his shoes hadn't broken. Yeah, if the shoes don't break, I'm never prepared to be a regular kid again. Uh, We're going to keep doing this. Uh, I'm re-signing with Minnesota. It was a real I broke up with her, she didn't break up with me situation. He had to get to it quick. (laughs) But he, you know, he learned a lesson, though. After, you know, the shoot, like, he ends up, helping to win the game anyways, even even without his powers. And I think maybe he learned a lesson in there where it's like maybe, you know, maybe the power was in me all along. The shoes are just something that brought me to this uh, realization. Well, I think he was just prepared from day one because he's an orphan and he knew that this would eventually turn to shit because everything in his life does. That's why he lives at an orphanage. <laughs> so he had an exit strategy the minute he realized he could dunk. You got to be able to cut it out of there. Peter, what's the best scene in this movie? Oh, man. So many to choose from. I think my favorite scene in this movie is when, man, there's so many. Um, I think it's probably when he starts like to become awesome because that's just the most Eugene Levy. Um, or Eugene Levy is when, like, you know, he kind of, like, brings him down at half court and... Um, I would say that's probably my favorite scene that. And also when um, Crispin Glover is playing chess against himself, which I guess is probably at the same time too, but it's just like, (laughs) he's playing like the chess 2000 against himself because he's honestly one of the sweetest people who's taking advantage of a ton of kids. That's, that's a hot take. I feel like there is something weird about him where he is like kind of this meek. I think I 
referred to him like uh to you guys as like a beta cuck villain <laughs> like he's just kind of like meek and meager and like afraid of the world and like just sweetly wants to take care of kids and then greed corrupts him and makes him like do an evil thing I don't know though, because I, I was gonna bring this up. Like, it doesn't seem like he's overly fond of the orphans in general. Like, he 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 seems like he's got that sadistic side a little bit before. But like, if you're going to run a con or some sort of grift, and and you you don't like orphans, it seems weird that you would then engross yourself in in running an orphanage. I feel like you could find a grift that more fits your interest, like um like joining the RNC or something like that. Like, I feel like you could, you could find something that's a little more profitable too. Cause it doesn't seem like a very profitable gift. Um, grift. So that, that's my, that's my Crispin Glover thing. Maybe, maybe the orphans drove him to this. Maybe he got into run the, the running, the orphanage, it's the game orphans with, fault. Sure. Yeah. Like he, he wanted to help kids. And then like over, you know, the course of a decade, they just wore him down. Yeah. Come on, man. A couple of kids yeah. with razor blades in their fucking mouth run up on you. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. And what? Sometimes. Try to kiss you? These kids, yo, they know how to <laughs> smuggle weapons. Somebody tried to cut him for his candy. So now you had to put him to work. <laughs> These damn orphans just, just taking advantage. Uh, let's take a quick ad break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before we get too far from the scene that Peter uh, brought up, the, the moment when uh, Calvin Cambridge kind of gets called down half court by uh, Eugene Levy. So they, Calvin was gifted tickets from Coach Wagner, AKA Robert Forster, right? He said, cause he was trying to sell the coach candy, but then felt bad about it. Cause he's like, I don't know. Like, I think this might be a scam. I don't want to take your money. And then Robert Forster is touched. So he says, you know what? I'm going to give you uh, some tickets to the game on Sunday. Uh, by the way, not great tickets. Uh, like, like you think if the coach was giving out free tickets, they might be a little uh, lower in the in the arena. But, uh, but then they randomly pick Calvin's seat to come down and play uh, Reynolds in one-on-one. Like did – Coach Wagner like organized this. No, dude, they had the random, they had the, the lottery balls show. So it was all just pure chance that the ticket that the coach of the team gave to the kid was also the, the magic of the won. sneaker, Michael. 
are, are you possibly saying that the lottery was rigged? Wow. I'm saying either the lottery was rigged. rigged, rigged lottery, gambling, so many undertones of David Stern's fingerprints all over this movie. <laughs> it's a classic. This is an Hall of Fame film. Yeah. This is a classic version of someone telling on themselves in broad daylight. Right. Jamel, what was the most authentic part of this movie? Most realistic part? Um, Gary Payton tackling Calvin <laughs> Cambridge. <laughs> Mine also has to do with one of the NBA players. Makes so, sense. So uh, by the time they play the Sixers, it's a road trip. Calvin's already been notable for a couple days, like most of the people knowing him. Allen Iverson having no idea who Calvin was, like before he's like, it's perfect sense. Most authentic thing in the world. Oh, Mr. Iverson, sir, you're one of my favorite players. Who are you, the mascot? I was just wondering, may I please have your autograph, man, please? Players don't ask players for autographs. Wait, you, Later. After the game? I think that was maybe the funniest moment for me was when, yeah, Calvin has been making, like, national news headlines and Allen Iverson, like, in the in the league that Allen Iverson plays in, and he turns around and is like, what the fuck is this kid doing here? It's like, haven't you been talking to your teammates for the last two weeks? He's like, just been held up at a TGI Fridays. He had no idea. I do. I, do, I appreciated that Gary <laughs> Payton scene, too, because he just comes on the scene and he's just like, I will see this kid yeah. in hell. I, yeah. don't, I don't care what happens. I will kill him. I don't care how old he is. He laced them shoes up. Who, who was the story? I know Sam Cassell... <laughs> I know Sam Cassell was involved. Who was it? Sam Cassell who did this, or someone who did this to Sam Cassell, where they brought them out drinking for an entire night, and then like at like five, and they're playing them the next day, and then at like five o'clock, they told either Sam Cassell told someone or someone told Sam Cassell, "All right, like I'm gonna bust your ass up tonight, like because I've I just wore you out all night." I can't remember who it was. That's that is the thing that happened. I'm gonna have to find that after we record. But having like AI do that to Calvin, like Calvin, a, a deleted scene with Calvin and AI going out on the town, like going out to Fridays and then God knows where, is something I would oh, have yeah. in this movie. And then Calvin gets uh, adopted by one of the like 40 strippers that Alan Iverson hired. <laughs> I do want to point out, uh, it is it is so uh, glaringly God. obvious that uh, Alan Iverson did not show up for filming and they like had to send a camera crew just to film his like close-ups in isolation, like at, at practice or something. Cause if you look clearly a body double at Allen Iverson in the, in the actual basketball scenes. And then whenever he had to talk, it was just like a close-up shot of him with like everything else framed out as much as possible. You could see that like, there's no one in the arena. Like it's very, like, that's also very accurate. It was like, of course, Allen Iverson probably missed the shooting day and they had to send another crew like a month later to pick up all of his dialogue shots. Classic AI. Yeah. Classic Come on, AI. I'm the MVP. I'm not the MVP acting. Yeah. But uh, I, I will say uh, the only thing I knew about this movie for two decades was the Allen Iverson iconic "How we do that" line, uh, which is you know was from the trailer. And you know, as a, a Philly fan in in the early two thousands, uh, me and all my other Sixers fan friends would say that line to each other all the time. And uh, very exciting for me to have that in context now. Yeah, now you now Welcome. you've seen the magic, the magic yeah. of like Mike. Um, Peter, what was the the least realistic part of this movie? Um, the least realistic part, I think, how easily the uh, um, the family from Bel Air adopted him. I thought that happened a little too easy and it's a little unrealistic. Yeah, Carl Winslow shows up to sign those adoption papers, and it's all pretty smooth. Also, it was just a little. Um, it was a little much. Well, I thought it was it was great casting, obviously, because that was the dad from uh family matters and to have those guys kind of play you know one playing the other felt like it was very on the nose but just like great meta casting right it's like there is also a clip of the fresh prince of bel-air early yeah. on in, in the movie and uh calvin points to the screen and is like i just want to be in a, in a family like that so then yeah very clever casting to then go like get one of the other iconic hefty black dads from the 90s to like play basically the uncle phil role yeah i had something for the the least authentic or the least realistic so calvin's lighting the league on fire he's got this great endorsement deal things are going really good for calvin he's at all-star weekend wins the slamming dunk contest whatever We're, <laughs> how, how how the fuck are we letting this, this star player still live in an orphanage like he's he's leaving he's leaving his nba games 
and going back to his orphanage where he shares a bedroom with Murph and like three other kids. And like three other kids that want to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what was even more unrealistic now that I think about it is how little money Calvin was offered initially to play a one day contract for $5,000 is so far below league minimum, even in 2002, like that's criminal. He's got to be yeah. making and at it's least be 10 100. days minimum. Yeah. It's got to be at least a 10 day contract. And he's at least got to make what? $10,000 for suiting up for one day. Just like, I think like, I think they probably saw him as more of a marketing gimmick than an actual player. And so I wonder if there's some kind of, because he wasn't supposed to play at all. It was basically, but he's on the active roster on the active roster. That's true. So let's say that that happens. He gets on the active roster. He gets that $5,000 check. He doesn't play whatever he goes, goes back to the orphanage. He is now ineligible to compete in high school athletics, college athletics, whatever. He's thrown his thrown everything away for $5,000 that he's really not going to see a dime of. It's all going to go to Crispin Glover. I feel like AAU coaches would have gotten there before the Knights. Like, I feel like when he got back to the orphanage, like the second he got back from the orphanage after dunking that ball at the halftime show, he would like line out the door of AAU coaches offering some, some pretty significant benefits to an orphan. Yeah. But can they offer $5,000 to join an AAU team? Uh, that can offer you $5,000 worth of sweatsuits. <laughs> yeah. Incredible stuff. Incredible. It is stuff. funny that like also like it took so long. Like you're absolutely right, Kyle. It's crazy that he was going back to an orphanage every night after work. Like it's also crazy that it took that long for him to get adopted. Like if you see a kid, uh, I, I'm, I don't want to be crass, I guess, but uh, I am being crass. If if a, if a 13 year old slam dunked a basketball over an NBA player, like on TV, there would be a thousand LA people trying to adopt this kid immediately. It, but like, if we don't see anybody having any interest in adopting him until like way into the movie. Oh yeah. Clipper Darrell would have adopted him. <laughs> yeah. Halftime of that game. Did you guys notice who one of the potential adoptees was or adopters? I guess did you the the quick Fred Armisen cameo coming to adopt? Yeah, Calvin? I did. I did catch that. that Wait, really? A, oh, I didn't even. I didn't put that, that was together. a sneaky little yeah in the montage of uh, very like Portlandia weird. like dude too. Yeah. yeah, he wrote Portlandia oh. in that moment for sure. And you know who his uh, his wife was? No, in that moment. Uh, MTV VJ downtown Julie Brown. That wow. was Julie Brown. <laughs> yeah. What the big, fuck? Big year for for former VJs between Julie Brown getting mentioned on this podcast and and uh, fucking, Simon Rex. Uh, Simon Rex potentially being up for an Oscar. <laughs> big year. Yeah. I saw uh, Julie Brown uh, in the airport uh, the same year that Peter met Paul McCartney. I just, I saw Julie Brown from about 500 feet away. That's uh, that's a tie, quick. honestly, between yeah. y'all. The least authentic scene was in the final game of the season versus the Raptors. They're using Vince Carter dunk contest highlights. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. I I did I, like how um evil Vince Carter kind of played his role in this movie. Like he was kind of like, like I like I know Gary Payton actually tackled Bow Wow, but like I believe that Vince Carter wanted to shoot him in the head. Yeah. Is it is it also unrealistic though that the character of Vince Carter played hard in a play in game for the Raptors? That might be the most unrealistic part of this yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> everything connected to the Raptors was off. Because at this point, when they filmed this, like Vince Carter had like a foot and a half already out the door. Like he yeah, was absolutely. He was trying to work his way out of out of Toronto. They also had a sneaky joke in here where they were like, when Maurice Chestnut and Bow Wow were kind of like off, they was like, we lost to the Bulls, guys. I mean, the Bulls, obviously the worst team you could possibly lose to. I thought that was, that was funny. Was I didn't like even funny... catch that. Yeah, that's a nice little like, fuck you, Michael Jordan, we're the new Space Jam kind of dig. Yeah. Fuck, fuck you, yeah. Mike, for not doing this movie. Yeah. J- Jamel, what else worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet? Ooh, I mean, this Morris Chestnut, doing a fine job mm-hmm. uh, a shooting guard with an attitude and a mental problem he's doing great i was just happy doing to great. see him shine. Seen, yeah 
It's just was it just like watching a Wizards game? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Benner, did you notice that uh that Tracy that uh that Morris Chestnut told Bow Wow that he can't rap? Actually correct in the long run. Mm. Yeah, I think uh that was definitely um, you know, in that you know how like every Every reboot nowadays, there's at least one like big joke where they're like, why do they try to remake the classics? Or like, there's like some kind of like in joke for the audience. I felt like it was that. It felt a little sweaty to me, but uh, you know, LL could rap back in the day. I don't know if his his rapping skills aged with him, but I don't know. He was a cute kid rapper. I had the CD. I mean, in this one, he's honestly like, he's a pretty decent child actor. Like I, I have that written yeah, down. Like he's he adorable. Did, yeah, he did. He did a good job. Um, th- this movie yeah. had a couple of things like that always work. Sympathetic orphans always works. The NBA on NBC music that that always works. Every time, always works. Dirk Nowitzki, that always works. <laughs> oh, another very solid joke. But he's like, no, it's for my cousin. That joke was incredible. It's for my cousin, yeah. my my niece. <laughs> What's her name? Dirk. <laughs> hey, Colin. Listen, man, uh, can I get your autograph? Sure, Dirk. Uh, actually, for my niece. What's her name? Uh, it's uh, Dirk. And the best part is <laughs> was he's rolling up incredible. with Nash and Michael Finley. Man, that felt good to see that trio. It did. Like, man, what a, yeah. Loved, I love those guys in the 2000s. I'm shocked Michael Jordan even let Michael Finley be in the movie <laughs> as a Jordan <laughs> athlete. Uh, Benner, what what didn't work in this one that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, one moment that didn't work for me, and it was actually like, I weirdly found myself invested emotionally in this movie. I really did like it a lot. Uh, but then I was like, I was angry at Calvin because he forces, I mean, spoiler alert for the ending, Calvin ends up getting adopted by Tracy Reynolds. Uh, but then... Basically, Calvin forces Tracy Reynolds to also adopt Jonathan Lipnicki, Murph. Uh, but up through the entire movie, Calvin, Murph, and then Reg, who is played by Brenda Song, are presented as like a trio. Like they are three best friends. They're in it together. They're like, basically, we're fucking orphans. And like, if we never get adopted, like then we're going to have each other. We're family. And they just say fuck it to Reg. Like Reg no, <laughs> Reg does not why uh, can't why can't uh, he adopt Reg? Did also. you not see at the, the very last scene how it starts on a shot of like, like a Christmas card of like Reg with her new family? It which literally says my new family. There. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. There was because there was no way that uh Asian girl was supposed to even be at an orphanage for that long. Hey, we're in LA. Where the fuck is Madonna at? <laughs> One of the Angelina Jolie, get your ass in here and and help out. Take care of this. Yeah, God, I mean, damn. you're right. That's very unrealistic. You're right, but I think the like least realistic. Thing. But the fact, I think, just the <laughs> fact that that Calvin and Murph kind of say like "fuck you, bye" to Reg and let her go off and have to find her own family, kind of like that was that didn't work for me. I was upset by that. Yeah, I mean, I've only got one. Nutty. I've only got one bit that we haven't talked about that, that didn't work. So they, Coach asks, he, he forces Tracy to room with a with a twelve year old on the road, which like shows shows a, a complete lack of ignorance from Coach on on what Tracy is yeah. doing on the road. Also, uh, maybe like illegal. Like, can you? Can yeah. Like... Well, so my thing, Peter, I'm gonna I'll, I'll throw this to you. So Tracy brings that date home. Like he brings the date back to the room. Like he doesn't know that Calvin's sick in there, but he does know that Calvin is in there. Was he just gonna like fuck with Calvin in the room? Like, is he bringing her into the bathroom? Is he making Calvin go in the bathroom and turn the shower on? Like, what, what's the situation there? I mean, to me, this felt like a very like Christian comedy moment because, like, you know, four minutes later, they're both saying their nighttime prayers, um, which, as a Jew, I'll just say made me very uncomfortable. But um, it just felt <laughs> like I, I, I don't know, like he was gonna like put him in the bathroom or make him sit outside. There was a real lack of clarity there in terms of like what the end game was for him. Also like just get another hotel room. You yeah, know, Ron, Ron Mexico. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in many moons. That's a fair point. Like, why did he, 
like why go up to the room and be like hey small child i need you to sneak out of the room and go hang out on the the ice bucket room while for I 40 minutes woman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he's a millionaire he owns he we we can see that he he has tracy mcgrady's mansion elsewhere like he can afford a hotel room i guess maybe he's just dumb this maybe that's also another thing that didn't work throughout the movie tracy reynolds exhibits no proclivity towards fatherhood no responsibility he's he's trying to fuck women in front of a child he's taking sleeping pills by accident and nearly killing people because he's behind the wheel like this man should not have an orphan let alone two no no that that's that, that's where this movie went wrong i think is yeah. give, they should have given him i don't even remember what whoever the like the the clunky white center on the team like they he should have adopted calvin and jode yeah jode, jode. Like, took like a special interest in calvin and like really took care of him in early on but like yeah now he's tracy reynolds has him and tracy's gonna take bow wow to a doctor's appointment and the doctor's gonna be like we're concerned with the amount of paint your children are ingesting <laughs> jode the bobon of the la knights <laughs> uh on that subject, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character, Peter. It's a it's a loaded cast. We were talking. I mean, Jesse Plemons, Eugene Levy, Robert Forster, Crispin Glover. Like this could be, this could easily be a Coen Brothers movie as much as it could be a uh, a shitty Disney movie. Who's who's the the best supporting character in this one? Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go off of the list and say every NBA cameo because all those cameos like really grounded this movie somehow. And they all like the cameos, the way they were made, like made all the NBA players look good and like kind of just played into like making you just go along with it. So I think there was just like this authenticity to the movie that I was really surprised by. And it's just so fun to see all these NBA players um, kind of like back at it. Um, So I know that's off, but I want to just say all of the cameos to me were like the, my, my favorite. Jamel, who is, who's your favorite of the cameos? Cause let's not forget the one we haven't talked about. C web mows him the fuck over, which is also very realistic. <laughs> I forgot about that. Classic. Uh, I'm going to say Steve Francis in the credits. Yes. Cut him. That was a great one. Miss, miss Steve Francis dearly. Great players tribune piece. The Steve Francis. I mean, one. come on, man. He's been through so much. Love, love that ghost-written series on the Players Tribune. Better, who's the best supporting character in this one? Um, well, much like what Peter was saying with the NBA, like, uh, cameos kind of grounding this movie. I also feel like the way with which a lot of the actors that were not, you know, orphans with magic powers, like, like Robert Forster taking this role deadly seriously, like maybe really helped sell the concept to me because like not not only was he just acting really well he just being himself like he also was like you know he was saying what a normal person would say he would be like why the fuck he was like why the fuck are we doing this like this is this is a stupid stunt but eugene levy basically forces him into it like i don't know so yeah i think like maybe maybe robert forster i think he's uh i think he brings like a weird gravitas that really kind of helped sell this movie yeah yeah and he's not it's not even that big of a part it's like a very small part i will say that like he's probably has like a total of very minor 20 speaking lines but it's like he does a lot of heavy lifting yeah wrapping up peter how would you improve this movie honestly i don't think i could I, i there's nothing about this movie that i would want to improve um maybe some of the special effects in terms of his jumping but honestly that's you know that it's the charm of this being a not basically a 90s movie i honestly this movie to me is a b plus a minus i had a great time i wouldn't want to change anything my kid really enjoyed it like i i think that's it's something you watch with your kid like it's pretty good there the the only thing i would improve if, if like you're just getting to the nitty-gritty it's the same problem that rookie of the year has we don't really see why the team is better other than like in this one like calvin being good makes the team better but we don't see anything about like the team themselves improving their game because like from what we understand they suck ass like yeah if you added you know an all-star onto a team they would be better but like would they not lose any games i don't i don't know they really um, uh i think they were hoping for kind of the bonding that was happening with like you know between calvin and tracy were would also just kind of like cover the like 
the idea that the team is also like forming chemistry and getting better because of Calvin's presence. But they really kind of, yeah, I think because he's an orphan, they definitely weighed it towards that. I bet there's some cut scenes about like, you know, we see Calvin helping guys out of practice or something like that, but nobody cares about that. They just want to, you know, watch more chestnut throw paint in little Bow Wow's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Calvin's making Tracy less of a dick. So I, I think that, I think that works for everyone. Um, before more restore, we don't even need to answer because they made a sequel to this one. Uh, like Mike too, street ball for anyone who's curious. No way. Uh, I've not seen it. No, it's on Disney plus too. Oh, fuck. Have you watched we'll be it? back, baby. Yeah, we'll be I have. Back. I have not watched it. We will have to. We will have to push that one down the road. But guys, this was great. The next time that I need to, to cover a, just a dumb basketball movie, you are the first call. Uh, Peter, tell the folks again where you can find Airbuds. Uh, we're at Airbuds Pod, and uh, Michael's at Benner. Jamel's at Nonprofit Comic. I'm at Danger Moses, and uh, we're just uh, shouting at each other on the internet and in the podcast whenever you want. Everyone go check them out if you enjoy this episode of Big Screen Sports. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave, review. You folks know the drill. In two weeks, we are starting Rom-Com Month. Tune in for that. Coming at you every Monday. Thanks for listening.